you tell us, and it is clear in Scripture, behold, I am making all things new. And when we accept what you've done for us and receive you into our life, you begin an eternal process of making us new and complete by your Spirit, because of your work, Jesus. We all need to be newer every day. I know I do. So I pray that we would trust in your power and rest in your work and know that you are making us new as you're making this world new. Today, specifically, I pray for relationships and marriages that you would make them new by the power of your spirit. And in making them new, you would make them even better to reflect your glory and your power. Thank you that you can do all things, and in your strength, we can do all things. Thank you for that power, Jesus. May we know it, feel it, proclaim it, live it, receive it today. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. And uh, you can turn, uh, we'll be in Proverbs chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, a couple verses in each. Let me open with just a really brief story. It was, uh, we were in Honduras a couple weeks ago. And uh, we had a, uh, it was wonderful because we had uh, so many uh, young folks. Uh, and, you know, both high school, college Told y'all Carson was there. And I was working a lot on one of our sites with uh, a few juniors and seniors uh, at school here. And so we're talking, and, you know, we're talking about, you know, challenges that our youth face. So we, we covered drugs. Uh, we covered booze and, and getting drunk, getting wasted. We hit on that for a while. And, and then one of them was like, and I think he was ready for, you know, just this complicated answer. He's like, you know... Pastor John, that's what he calls me. Anyway, you know, and he kind of has a sarcastic tone to it. He's like, you know, what, what's your greatest challenge? And I just said, lust. You know, I mean, period. He's like, oh, it's kind of that simple? He's like, yeah, it's, it's that simple, my greatest challenge. We, uh, as human beings, we have a natural desire for sex. By the way, this talk is about adultery and sex. Just if that, if that wasn't warming you up uh, already, but that's what it's about. So you're here on that day. Uh, anyway, welcome to Bellwether. Now, uh, so we as human beings, yeah, get ready, have a natural desire for sex. We also have a natural desire for commitment. Usually, it is uh, the man's desire for physical sex more so than the commitment and the woman's desires more so for commitment. Get an amen on that? It, it can differ. It can differ. Uh, I know some men's like, I wish it would. But it is, uh, I mean, that is how it is. We have both, okay? And we have both. Now, this leads to a culture of, get this, those two natural, I said they're natural desire. they're God-given, Okay? leads to a culture and a world where 
If it feels good, do it. Okay? Feels good, do it. Uh, well, if your heart's telling you to do it, you should do it. So, so we're not, not just necessarily heart-led, because if, when the Bible talks about the heart, it calls it the seat of all emotions. But when we talk about the heart, we say, you know, your feelings, if it feels good, if your heart's telling you, you should do it. It's leading to that. Uh, it would say that romantic love, physical love, emotional love, is above all else. That's our culture too. Just watch TV or movies or anything. And then because of that, we're living in a culture that is redefining sexuality, marriage, uh, gender roles, relationships. Begins with this natural desire, these two things, and then it leads us into this world where the, the love, the emotions, if it feels good, if it feels right, do it. And that even leads to this redefinition of all things, romantic, sexual, relational. So what do we do? Uh, what do we do if we're Christians? What if we do if we're exploring Christianity? Uh, what do we do if we're like, well, I'd like to know what a church believes or Christians believe. What do we do? We are in this series, actually this is the last one, so... You could say, save the best for last or, or whatever. But it's on the Ten Commandments. We've been going through the Ten Commandments all summer. Ten weeks, taking a commandment. And today would be do not commit adultery. Uh, which is interesting in God's Word because the word adultery that we see in both the Hebrew and the Greek, it means this term called uh, porneo or panea. I don't know how it's pronounced. And essentially it means, we think of adultery as, okay, you know, sex outside marriage, but porneo means uh, any type of sex outside the covenant of marriage. So meaning uh, with another person uh, could mean addiction to porn. Anything outside that boundary, porneo, is what God's Word calls adultery. Uh, and I want to do something a little bit different today. I have done sermons on kind of the, the safeguard your marriage or, you know, affair-proof your marriage or, you know, preached on marriage. Today I'm going to do something a little different in that uh, I want to preach sex the right way a little bit more, okay? Because uh, we have had, and I've counseled people uh, struggling through adultery. Uh, we have found and seen here God's power release people from the hold of adultery uh, and porn, and sex outside marriage. But what I've rarely seen, and not that I know all the details, but sex used rightly in a marriage, there is rarely ever problems of adultery. Okay? So I'm kind of going on the best defense is a really good offense. You track it with me here? You are? Well, we will in just a minute. So, as I said, God gave us these desires, uh, first off. But also, you need to know this, marriage is a reflection of who God is. God is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And there is diversity in those roles, but there is great unity. The same is for marriage, that we're to be one. I get the honor and blessing of counseling people in premarital sessions, one yet diverse. So, Marriage is actually a reflection 
who God is. And it should be a reflection to the world around us in that when you or I or we see a great marriage and see this oneness, even if we can't articulate it within two people, a diversity of two people, it should lead us to God and who He is. Adultery is a distraction and distracts us from the reflection of God, distracts us from who God is. And the trick or the myth or the lie is that we think, you know, the adultery, the porneia, is really, hey, it's all about just, it's, it's us, it's solo, it's isolated, you know. It's really just, just me in a hotel room. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not impacting other people. It's just me and my lustful thoughts, and that's a lie. And some of y'all know it, that it impacts others, families. It's not just solo, it's not just individual, it's not just isolated, whether it is a lustful thought or whether you act on those thoughts in a multiplicity of ways that are very easy to engage in. So again, what do we do? We do? We look to God's Word to try to see the reflection of Him and not be distracted by other things. So Proverbs 5, I want to start there first. And let me say this as well. Proverbs is a father writing to a son. And so uh, us dads here should try to connect with that. It's a father telling his son, and now he's about to tell him about sex, okay? And we should connect with that because generally, as guys, you know, we learn about sex from not our dads, it's like our friends or, you know, if we find a good playboy lying around, you know, honestly. I mean, when I was nine years old, I will not name the family member. I was visiting a family member, you know, went to the bathroom, no toilet paper, not to get graphic, but it's part of the story. So just look under the sink. There we go, you know, playboy, nine years old, you know, had some questions, had more thoughts than questions. And that's, that's often you know, how it is. So this is a dad, let me emphasize that, this, telling his son what's going down. I want to start with verse 20 through 23, and this is the result of adultery or porneo. And look at what he says. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. He is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. I just want to break down this a little bit. First off, verse 21, the the word ways there, that's literally translated into like the rut of a wheel. Imagine a chariot and chariot wheels, and it makes ruts. And so when it says ways, it could be called ruts. And that adultery or porneo causes ruts, great ruts in our lives. And the Lord sees them. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. To be ensnared is is trapped in cords 
A lot of people, a lot of people are in bondage of porn addictions or addictions to adultery or it's bondage, it's chains, it's chains. He dies for lack of discipline. It does take some discipline. Because for this guy, you could imagine that there were opportunities out there. And there are always opportunities. He is led astray. So that's the result. That's the result. Ruts, bondage, no discipline, led astray from what God intends from family, from God. Now, the plan, and God does give us a plan. He gives us a prescription to protect us and our marriages and our relationships and our families. And let me go through a couple verses before, verse 15 through 19. It's very interesting here. Let me remind us, we are reading the Bible here. If you did not think the Bible was interesting, you can read these couple of verses or just read the whole chapter later today. It says, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Again, that was the Bible that we are reading. Okay? Now, Jesus, we've talked about this as we've gone through the Ten Commandments. Jesus redefines just about all the Ten Commandments. And he does so with adultery. I want to use one of the verse, put it up on screen, Matthew 5. Matthew 5 should be 27. Look what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Any adulterers here? Any here? I'm being honest. Nobody else honest? (laughs) Just say it, man. We're getting real. I'm getting real today. It is what it is. Thank you. A couple hands, too. Okay, so we're all good. <laughs> Jesus is clear. Jesus is all about the heart. Okay? And we look at Proverbs, and again, there is a plan, there is a prescription. Marriage. Let me put it like this. A couple P words thrown at you. Permanent commitment is the only place for perpetual sex. Okay? Husbands, you may quote that to your wives, but permanent commitment is the only place for perpetual sex. And the Bible is very clear that it should be perpetual if it is in the permanent commitment of marriage. But our world and our culture, it's like the perpetual sex, you know, is outside the permanent commitment. And the permanent commitment, it's like, you know, boring, you know, or that's when it's over. Let's look at the New Testament, 1 Corinthians Chapter 7, there was a lot of sex in Corinth, uh, a lot of sex outside permanent commitments, outside marriage. I always say, if you want to feel good about your church, just read First and Second Corinthians. Um, 
all the explicit sins, all the implicit sins they were dealing with. So Paul wrote a lot about both marriage, love, that's the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, and sex. 1 Corinthians 7, and I'm going to read 1 through 5, what he says. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Paul is clear, clear to the church. Uh, Again, God has a plan, but it needs to be in this plan. You know, I was in college, and uh, I would, and let's say, look, I was far from God in college. I could you know, give you stories on that. But I would every now and then go to RUF because, to be honest, that's where the cutest girls were. And so, you know, I was like, you know, trying to uh, go and, and maybe kind of explore some stuff about God. But really, that's, that's why I went. But I heard the RUF uh, preacher one night say something. And I was like, man, this dude is whacked, you know. And he said, he said, you know, dudes, you know, you're out there emotionally manipulating these girls. Uh, and he was pretty stout. He was pretty hard, you know. And he was like, why don't y'all man up? And if you're telling this girl that you love her, then why don't you marry her? And I was like, man, you, you're just, you're, you're whacked out, buddy. Now, let me be even more honest. You know, I, I had a, a big problem of emotionally manipulating women, okay? And dudes and guys can do this all the time, uh, throwing those three words you call I a word or whatever, I love you, emotionally manipulating uh, for other benefits. Happens. Can I get an amen or maybe I'm off? Amen? Okay, just checking here. Maybe I want to make sure I'm not off. Okay. Uh, but that happens, or at least it happened for uh, me. And now I encourage our youth, our young folks, uh, especially our, our females, both going to college, uh, also singles, post-college, everything. I mean, if a guy or guys are throwing that word, then, and I don't have daughters, so, but, you know, now I would say, guys, you know, man up. You know, if, if you're laying that down, I love you, then it needs to be a permanent commitment that you're looking to. And, you know, the only thing, this is funny, I'm going to use James Bond in an adultery sermon, okay? You're like, what? Yeah, good example. But I'm going to use it the other way. One of my favorite, and I'm a James Bond fan, okay, and that may be part of my struggle, but in this, uh, in what I consider one of the best James Bond, he really falls in love, really gets married, and the thing about him that's different in this scene, James Bond never tells a girl that he loved her, and in this one scene, the movie's on Her Majesty's Secret Service, he says this girl, I love you. The next sentence after that is, will you marry me? And so, you know, it is interesting that I tie James Bond to that RUF pastor preacher you know, way back then, but they were saying the same thing, and I do believe now that, you know, if you're using those words or throwing those words or something similar, then we need to be looking at some permanent commitment 
because there are women's feelings and hearts that are on the line. And I know you dads of girls do not want them broken or destroyed. And I know I don't want my guys, my boys, uh, doing that. Amen? Amen. 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 Now, let me uh, say one other thing, and then we're going to move kind of to a little, uh, some closing thoughts. Our culture, media, versus what the Bible would say. And I'm only giving you a couple verses just because of time. But see, the culture and the media, hot sex is always outside of marriage. You know, if you, if you watch any show, just turn on the TV, go to a movie, and I really try not to watch any. If I know, let me just say this. If I know there's going to be sex, nudity, I don't want to watch it. Uh, so some of these shows that are, pre- I, don't, I don't go there. I told you my biggest challenge at the beginning of the sermon. I know it. I've realized it. I do not want to go there. But I know what people say, and I know from other things that I've seen, you know, there's no hot sex in, like, marriage on TV or movies, right? Right? I mean, none. It's always outside. And also the culture media would say any type of boundaries is like, that's, you know, that's not cool or that's, that's unhealthy. That is the message that all of us are getting from our world today. Generally, you know, there's always a 2% difference, but generally. The Bible would say, as we just read, there's a place for the hot sex. It's in the permanent commitment of marriage between a man and a woman. And boundaries are very very healthy. So you've got two opposite sides, two messages. But we need to know God has a place for this in a permanent commitment and that there are boundaries. It's marriage of a man and a woman, and it's good. And let me just let me show you why it's good or say why it's good. I hope you see or pray that you see why it's good. Why is marriage so sacred? Why is marriage so sacred? One, as I said earlier, it reflects who God is. This is a real deal here. And some of you may not know this or hear this. It's a real deal. Unity and diversity. Two people, two people becoming one. Unity and diversity is who God is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. My wife and I, very, very different. Really different. Two sets of interests, two sets of attitudes, um, let me emphasize, emphasize that word, attitudes, okay, uh, on me. Two sets of attitudes. Uh, two sets of in-laws. Two sets of in- very, very different. But we work to be one. We do work to be one. And that is, it's a reflection of who God is. It's also a reflection, why marriage is sacred, of the relationship that God wants with you. Because, see, in our most intimate relationships, we say, even if you don't speak this, you know, you can have all of me. Here is all of me. Here is my heart. Here is my mind. Here is my body. You can have all of me. That's what God wants in a spiritual relationship. So I hope you see that before relationships even existed, this desire that God had for a relationship with us was there. And it is a reflection in the relationships that we have now of the relationship that God wants with us. He wants us to say, you can have all of me. My heart, my mind, my soul, it is all yours in this spiritual relationship. Marriage is a reflection of that. One other way, marriage is a reflection of our redemption in Jesus Christ. How is that? Marriage, Jesus. One other verse I want to put on the screen, Genesis 2, 24, 25. 
famous verse. I call it the best verse for premarital folks. Verse 24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. I would say that's the best verse. Then there's this, you know, we think of this is a random verse right after this. Verse 25, And the man and his wife were naked and were not ashamed. I like to say this, there's nothing random in the Bible. There's nothing random in Scripture. At that point in time, there was no shame. There was no shame. There was no sin. Genesis 3 had not happened. There was no shame in being in the presence of God. And now, as many of us have felt, me too, there's shame. Sin leads to shame. Shame for past experiences. Shame for past physical experiences. Shame for past relational experiences. Marriage is a reflection of the redemption because as we sang about, Jesus said, you don't have to feel shame. I'm covering your sin so that when you believe in me, God doesn't see that. He sees the work of Jesus. A lot of you here are Christians and are still carrying the burden and baggage of shame. Because of Jesus, you don't have to feel shame. There's a reason we call it saved, salvation, redemption, redeemed, what Jesus did. Covers us. Proclaims us to God. Loves us. So that as we stand before God today, right now, we can have no shame. So what do you do? What do we do? Let me talk about our past, our present, and our future real quick. For our past, as I just spoke about, those of us that carry shame, you don't have to feel shame. You are forgiven in Jesus. For those of us who have, and this is a real deal, and I talk to a lot of youth about this, soul ties because of past physical relationships, and I would be in that category, okay? God can break those. God can break the bondage. So whatever has been done in our past for shame, for ties, you're forgiven, and the Lord can break, and the Lord can heal. In our past, the power of the gospel. In our present, there are many of you that are teetering, that are on the brink of something outside marriage. Maybe that's porn. Maybe that is an affair. You need to share your dirt. That's why we're here. We're here as a church. I'm here. Our elders are here. Our people are here to listen, to say, don't take that step. Don't jump. Some of you are not teetering. You may be in. We're here. That's what the church is for. The church is plan A. There's no plan B. We're here together. And we can walk through this deal. And then future, we need to say this. A couple, couple types, a couple people groups here. For our youth here, for our youth here, don't. Don't. Don't go there. I can share more about it at youth if you want to. Learn from the mistakes I made. Don't. If you're here and you're single, wait. Wait. There, there is something better. Know that for a fact. And, you know, I think we don't preach enough on singleness because Paul preached about it all the time. The power in singleness, 
There's something better. And I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ that is growing and walking in him for him. If you're in a relationship and not married yet, I may need to tell you to stop. Like for real, stop. Because there is something better. It is a plan. It is a prescription. It is in God's word. And we are here to help. But you need to see God's word. You need to see the plan. You need to see that is good. I knew a lot of guys that heard that RUF sermon, and they got married at 22, and I thought they were nuts. Now I envy them. I envy them. Because I had a string of about 10 years in some emotionally manipulated, bad relationships, causing soul ties that I had to work through. If you're in a relationship right now, stop. Let's rethink. And then, in today's time, if you are struggling with same-sex attraction, and that's the real deal, I would say a couple things. I would say, one, one, that there is this unique and awesome opportunity that those of you who do are the new heroes of the faith. The new heroes of the faith. Let me say that again. And that I know that there are people who the Lord and the gospel have changed. And for some, it is walking in celibacy. And for some, it's walking in a new relationship in marriage as a man and woman. And the power of gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus can do that. And then we are here to help. And we'll be here every Sunday and every day. So to close... I've shared some about me because I wanted to do that because I know it's very easy in a talk like this. And I've heard those talks about, you know, don't do this. Let me just say, I've been there. I've done this. I regret it. I am forgiven. I'm learning from it. I've had to work through things. It's a huge struggle. And I don't like using, like, the pulpit as confessional, but this is, my wife has said, you need to, you need to, Tell folks this, what your challenges are, what your struggles are. So I, let me just say, I know, but there's something I know even more. I know God's power for healing. I know God's spirit is in the church. Men and women have helped me, helped our marriage, and helped us to help one another, and we want to continue to do that. So for everyone here, wherever you are in your life, in your faith, in your walk, in your marriage, in your relationship. God is here for you first. We are here for one another. And I want you to know I'm here as pastor to help you walk, to help us follow. And it's only by the power of Jesus that we can. But it's right here for us all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your power, your spirit, your people, your redemptive work. And dear Lord, show that to us more and more by your word, by your church, by mentors, that we can come to you just as we are with no shame and you can bring healing into our hearts, to our lives, to the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.